are back. We are live, dude. Yeah, so how you been, man? Uh, I mean, I've been better, Lucas. <laughs> yeah, are you are you still struggling with the effects of fucking snowpocalypse? Uh, not really any present things. Uh, but yeah, we we it, it, Texas is kind of infamous. I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast knows we had a whole energy and water problem. And uh, for me, at least it wasn't bad at all. Like I only lost power for 14 hours and I only lost water for like three days, which is, that's still a lot, dude. No water for three days is, is fucking crazy when you think about it. (laughs) Yeah. But of all my, everyone I've talked to all my friends and everyone out of everyone, it seems like I've had the least, amount of issues i think i think you're right <laughs> i've had i didn't have water for a week and i didn't have power for four days so it's weird coming back to the apartment and you have power but you still don't have water and you're like what the f-? yeah like, I was about we, to say it's you still, still not livable water over there well we do man it's a it's uh, so we were supposed to wait three weeks to get a plumber out here. Like that's how fucked Texas is right now. Like not just like how, how booked up all plumbers are even like the shitty yeah. ones, yeah. but also materials. Like there's no fucking pipes. Everyone's buying all the pipes and the, <laughs> and the, yeah, right. you know, yeah, all the hardware that they need and shit. So yeah. So like we were going to wait three weeks and live with my sister for three weeks waiting for our water to get turned back on. And then like two days later, our property manager texted me and said, Hey, water's back on. You're good. You can come back. And I was like, what, what the fuck changed? And he said that somehow someone that is related or owns one of the apartments in this complex, somehow this, we know someone who's a master plumber and (laughs) that guy came out and fixed like 20 something leaks that we had in the whole complex all by himself. Um, so whenever I got that note from my property manager, I was hundred, I was so skeptical and I'm like, there's no fucking way that we're going to go back to the apartment and there's not going to be a problem. Like yeah. a, a commercial plumbing company said, we don't have the manpower to fucking fix this. You need to call someone else. So then one dude comes around and says like, yeah, I'll fix it all. And just does it all in two days. And like, there's still holes in the walls. There's still like the carport has fucking insulation all over the place, like wet insulation. And it's like, he supposedly fixed all the pipes, but isn't cleaning up anything. And this is just kind of what our place is going to look like until everyone I've talked to in this complex is moving. Really? Everyone is like, fuck this place. Like oh my a lot God. of, cause the way that this complex is, it's condos essentially that are owned by people that rent them out. Or they buy it. Like a th- a one of the apartments right next door to us sold for $300,000. So like these are nice, quote unquote, nice condos Yeah, that are owned by people and they rent them out. So everyone that lives in my building is renting from a landlord that owns this apartment. And right. my landlord has been awesome through this whole thing. He took money off of our rent because I asked him to. But I said, hey... We're, the, our apartment's not livable where we shouldn't be expected to pay rent for a place that we can't even live at right now. Yeah. And so he took 300 bucks off our rent. He has been really communicative, really apologetic. 
Wow. I mean, he fucking bought us Tiff's, Tiff's treats when we first moved in. Just like a, hey, welcome. Like, they're super, super nice. And they don't even live here. They live in Dallas. Oh, really? And Yeah. And I've heard nothing but horror stories from the other apartments. of just like, we didn't hear from our landlord for days. We had no idea what was happening. We were in our apartment about to go to our gym to shower. And all of a sudden, the water turns on. And we hear all these banging and all these pipes and all this stuff. They had no idea that the repairs were getting done. It's been a fucking shit show, dude. Jeez, man. Well, I'm glad you... Compared to everyone else, you you got out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's weird how quickly it changed. Like I fucking we we had it the worst out of anyone that we knew during the week that everything was happening, and then we also have had it the best since then of pretty much everyone that we know. Because my sister lives an hour north of here in a fucking suburb that they didn't deal with any issues, and yeah, and she we've been there for a week and a half, and it's been fucking awesome. Well, All right, let me, get Winston in here. I he it never fails, man. He does it every time. Oh man! I always want to say something about Brett while he steps away from the mic. He's not wearing his headphones. I can't on the spot. I can't think of anything. It's hard to think of Come anything on. on the spot, y'all. Yo, I got a a bow story for you. Once you're once you're done uh, telling me the struggles you've been dealing with after <laughs> snow apocalypse. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's really affected me, man. It's really affected like how I think about things now, you know, cause it was yeah. not really that big of a deal. And, uh, I, I, I do think, you know, there were stories of people who froze to death. Uh, yeah, man. And, and that's just horrible. Uh, Carbon but oxide poisoning. Yeah. It, yeah, uh, really sad. Horrible, horrible electrical bills. People getting uh, uh, five-digit electrical bills. Yep, just I've heard for about that. just for being lucky enough to have electricity while this was going on. Yeah. Then they spiked the rates like crazy, and now people are owing fifteen thousand dollars for four yeah. days worth of electricity. Uh, and so like all that, and uh, listening to all my friends' stories and what they've all gone through, and like just experiencing what it's like to not have power if only for 14 hours and like it, it what our what our uh government did for us right what our state did do. for us which is jack jack j- just squat yeah absolutely nothing like and you're it, probably it, feeling the same way i am uh, like abandoned we felt yeah. abandoned and uh you know those pictures of crews going getting on the flight to cancun Motherfucker, uh, man. It and I don't know, man. Like it's just really, it's fucking with you mentally. Yeah, it's just kind of messing with me. It, it like my perception of everything is kind of changing because of this event. It, as as small as it kind of is, you know, like it might happen next year, and you know, now mm-hmm. climate change is becoming a much more present issue, a much more, uh, you know thing that's right in front of us that you can't really ignore any longer yeah because we we haven't had uh like snow we haven't had snow like this since 1949 i believe or maybe 45 uh i believe it i've never seen it i've never seen weather like this in texas and i've lived here for almost 30 years and it's you know it, it the my friend said it was the the polar winds, uh, the kind of the 
the ring of air that protects us from the ice cold winds just kind of gave way for a while. And that's what happened. That's why we got this cold front and uh, no one's to say that it's not going to happen next year in the year after that. And it'll probably become more normal. I don't know if we're going to be any more prepared next year, you know? And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of makes you remember what is really important in in your life and you kind of stop thinking about other things uh, yeah man it's it's very um it's very like you don't know what you have till it's gone and it's really easy to take something like running water and electricity and heat for granted when it has been uh guaranteed up yeah. until the moment we needed it the most. I think that's the, that that was the hardest part for me to deal with is the moment that we needed electricity and water the most was the moment that we lost it because the people in charge didn't prepare properly. And it, it does realize that we are at the fucking whimsy of the politicians that we keep fucking voting into office. And this is how the local elections start to matter a lot more now. Like, Our governor, our senators, our mayors, you know, the city hall, all these people did not prepare for what was going to happen. And they knew what was going to happen. And it was all in the name of deregulation. It was all in the name of we don't want to be, you know, part of the federal reserve system for electricity and for utilities and all this stuff. And Texas wants to be independent. Texas wants to do their own thing. And people died because of the lack of leadership. And so it's, it has been a, an eye opener, just like, um, you know, the mishandling of BLM last year was an eye opener. Just like the last four years I mean, have been an eye opener. It's, it's just like all, the mishandling of COVID has been an eye opener. These, these last two years, if these last two years doesn't change your perspective about, something going on with our government, then I don't know what will, you know? And I was never a big, I was never like an anarchist or like a, like a, Oh, I'm going to be a communist or, you know, anything like that. But it's, you know, this is the stuff that opens your eyes. These real events, the, the reason that we have these systems built and just seeing that they, it's really not for the people. This system that we've made is not for the people that it's supposed to be for. No, it is only benefiting the politicians. Yeah. And big business, right? So, I mean, the politicians, the people with the money, it's just the people with the money, the people have the power. Yeah. And that's all the politicians are, are, uh, bending over for just people with the money because they want to make money. Yeah. And that's, that's that's why all, that's why in these last two years, when the pandemic hit, the rich got richer and yep. the the poor it got poor you know even yeah. even when our economy was in the in, just in the dumps you know amazon still made billions of dollars it, it all these big companies still make billions and billions of dollars yeah. while the rest of us are struggling to get by but but i mean we could talk about this for for a long time but i'd much rather uh get into some more chipper uh, lighthearted yes. stuff like albums and your bow story. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this is probably gonna be something that is going to be on our minds for a while. So no need to take up 
time on the podcast for it. We could talk about it before our D and D game <laughs> and, oh, man, and interrupt and that be, for an hour. That'll be a whole Luis spotlight. If we ever um, get Luis on been, this podcast, he's probably not going to talk a lot unless we bring up some politics. Cause he just, he's, he knows all about that stuff. He's been, he's been chomping at the bit for something like this to happen <laughs> so he can <laughs> rail on every fucking politician and everything that this country is doing wrong. Oh. Um, I mean, yeah, man, that's, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been difficult these last couple of weeks. And, um, I think it's understandable for a lot of people to have PTSD in a, in a, in a way not to diminish what PTSD is, but I feel like a lot of people dealt with very scary situations and it's, I'm personally also struggling moving on with my life. Like just going back to work and being like, all right, let's have a meeting about leads. And I'm just like, yeah. wow. Like last week I didn't know if I was going to make it <laughs> after you know at certain moments and i'm just like i'm supposed to come back and just like be in a meeting and act like everything's okay um and yeah. i i know a lot of my a lot of people i know are struggling with the same thing um yeah. but you really don't know you really don't know when you don't know what tomorrow's gonna be like you know like my well, my sister's fiance so i don't know what he makes me my fiance in law um he has a saying that he, he says, um, you know, whenever you're, you're talking about you, know, whenever you're doing something and you're talking about what we're going to do next, like, Oh, tomorrow we need to do this. Or for dinner, we're going to go to this restaurant. And he, the way that he thinks about it, he goes, Hey man, we're having lunch now. Like, we don't know what's going to happen between now and dinner. Like, let's not assume that it's going to like, let's, you can make a plan, but don't assume that it's going to go the way that you planned. Cause it's just like, nothing's guaranteed. And it's true. Like, so a week ago I was, you know, in Christina's cousin's apartment dealing with being scared for going to someone's apartment after a year of avoiding people because of COVID Yeah, and, you know, not really knowing how careful these people have been, not knowing how much danger I'm putting myself in, but literally having no choice because yeah. it's either don't have water or risk getting COVID. And there was a clear fucking winner for that for me. So <laughs> and, and thankfully also like, I don't know if people know this, but there was nothing at the grocery stores. As soon as this started happening, people looted yep. the grocery stores. You can't find water. You can barely find food. Even the candy and the sodas were all people took all of those for some reason. But like, that's, that's why it was so scary is because we don't like, you don't have any running water and you can't go out and buy anything, even at the places that are open. Right. And even if you do have running water, you have to also have electricity or at least gas to be able to boil it because then there was a boil notice with our yeah. water because the water treatment plants didn't have enough electricity to actually fucking treat the water. Yeah. So yeah. So a week ago I was sitting there with a whole bunch of shit going through my head, not knowing what life was going to be like moving forward. And then a week later, I'm like sitting in my sister's really nice house, super comfortable, making dinner every night with them, drinking margaritas. Like it's been a vacation staying at my sister's place. And then because I was staying at my sister's place, she had the fucking 411 on when uh, vaccine appointments were going to open up. And we all just got our first, first doses of the COVID vaccine. Oh, really? I got mine on Friday. Christina got hers on Friday. And my sister and her fiance both got theirs on Sunday. Oh, Wow. So within a week, uh, yeah, within a week of me being like, dude, my apartment is going to be ruined. My fucking roof is going to cave in. I'm going to get COVID a week later. I got the COVID vaccine 
And so in a month, I'm going to be totally vaccinated. And it's fucking that that saying that that my sister's fiance has been saying for the last week since we got there. It just like really is like going around in my head that it's like you really don't know what dinner is going to bring. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So it's like it kind of helps me not dwell and not worry on things a little bit when it's just like nothing's guaranteed. So all I can do is try and make this the best I can make it. Um, so that's but, something I, I definitely want to like try and focus on while also realizing like, I need to start figuring out how to get off the fucking grid <laughs> and start <laughs> being able to provide for myself. Like I've never wanted to move to a farm in fucking Wyoming more than I have in the last year. And especially in the last two weeks, I'm just like, I need a well, I need a windmill, I need generators and I need land and I need a farm. I'm like these five fucking things. I'm just like, I need to have my own cattle. I need to grow my own food. I'm like, it's, I can't rely on the people in charge anymore. And so your first step towards that is moving to California, moving to Cali, baby. <laughs> Cause that's moving still to, in the fucking plans. Moving to friggin the, the opposite I'd say of a farm. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we're going from potential snow and rain and electricity and all that shit to fires and earthquakes. So yeah, that'll so be fun. Another thing. That's with. But again, as you were saying, you know, uh, aside from politicians, maybe we should stay in the present, kind of keep our minds yes. in the present, prepare for the future. You know, obviously like it, make preparations, but don't obsess yourself with what may or may not happen again this does not apply to politicians y'all should be looking towards the future don't uh, stop paying attention you should have had the electrical grid and water figured out for this story. yeah yeah for the folks that we are not the for the, for the you know regular people like us like pay attention to what the people in charge are doing but dwelling on it i feel like is not gonna help at all especially for things that you really don't have a lot of power to change yeah. Right. And it's, it's a shitty feeling not having the power to change it, but yeah, it's, you should empower yourself by no, by finding the things that you can control and the things that you can impact and focusing on those. Cause yeah, it's yeah. Focusing on the things that are out of your control will just drive you fucking crazy, <laughs> which brings me to my bow story because oh. <laughs> for those listening that don't know me, I have a 12 year old basset hound named Bo who is the best dog in the world. And I hate him. He and is such an adorable little pile of garbage. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he's he's dirty water trash that I just fucking love with all my heart. You can, you can tell he just has like a, a dirty Boston accent. You know, it it's always. funny because <laughs> I, I always think he's like a princess that's reincarnated into a basset hound. <laughs> really? Yeah, because he gets a little sticker burn in his paw and he just like he'll stop walking and just look at me and lift his paw up and just be like, daddy. Daddy, when are you going to clean my paws? I got the impression that he had like a cigarette in his mouth and he's like, hey, you do it for me. Hey, I want to go outside, uh, open the door. He's way too posh to be like a mob boss, fucking blue collar (laughs) worker. Like this dog deserves a fucking frilly lace neck, you know, fucking shirt collar and white makeup all over his face. Uh, And so I, you had to move Bo to your sister's apartment. So he's been traveling around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's been traveling around with us. First thing he did when he got to Christina's cousin's house was pee a lot in the kitchen. And yep. then um, when we got to my sister's, 
he, uh, my sister's dog has a very specific special diet and Bo ate all of his food the first night that we were there. And then last night he also finds a way to sneak out of a backyard that is impossible to sneak out of, but he finds ways. So (laughs) last night, every time I don't see him for a couple of minutes, I'm like, I'm going to go check that this motherfucker didn't. Shawshank his way out of this fucking backyard so I went to the backyard last night I can't really see anything I'm calling him I can't see him and there's little dark corners of the of the yard and I'm like god damn it so I go to the front and I start walking up and down the street I can't find him I hear Christina go he's here and I go okay and then I go in there and I hear Christina goes oh he's licking something and I was like what Hmm. and I run to the backyard and this fucking dog is licking a dead mouse like, just oh. like, uh, 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 just slobbering and licking a dead, Why? stiff mouse. And I'm just like, immediately, I'm like, God damn it, he's going to have rabies. He's going to get mouse AIDS. He's going to fucking, like, he's going to start he's gonna get vomiting. Some STD. He's going to get some sort of STD that comes from, yeah, that comes from a fucking field mouse. Like, yeah. immediately, I was just like going through all this shit in my head of the worst things that could happen. And he's totally fine. But like after that happened, I was just like, God, it's so like how quickly I can forget. Like last week I didn't have water and electricity and all I could think about was keeping Bo and Christina warm. And then this week I'm like, everything's back to normal. I have fucking all the things I would want and need to be able to live comfortably. And then Bo licks a mouse and I'm just like, and immediately I'm worried about something else, you know? And then that's consuming my thoughts. And I'm just like, man, how quickly things can fucking change. But thankfully, that that fucking idiot is fine. I think so. Well, I, th- I, <laughs> I think it was John Lennon, who said, uh, "Life is the stuff that happens between plans." Yeah, yeah. Is that Fuck. the quote? Uh, <laughs> so life is the stuff that's just happening while you're planning for other things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like life is the shit that you have to deal with, not the shit that you plan for. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Planning is always so fucking, you know, rose colored glasses. Um, but yeah, man, one thing that I also stopped doing was listening to albums of the day. So I'm like two weeks behind on that. But yeah, well, I mean, it was like you were, we were talking and you were like, oh man, if I, oh, I can't believe, like, if I don't have this episode edited by Monday and put out. And I was like, the whole time I was like, man, we're going through like a crisis. Like, it's yeah. fine. You don't like there, you know, you don't need to be doing albums of the day, you know, every single day through a, a crisis like this. And you don't have to worry about, you know, getting the, the podcast edited like you got to put yourself before all that. <laughs> yeah, it was almost like a thing I wanted to do, though, because I wanted a distraction. But then I just sure. couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. And it was like even after we got to Christina's cousin's place. And the second day we were there, I was like, middle of the day, we're not doing anything. There's nowhere to go. So I was, I suggested watching a movie and everyone wanted to watch a movie except Christina. And then I asked her, I was like, Hey, do you want to watch this movie? And she was like, no, I can't even imagine watching a movie right now. And she was just boiling water. She was cleaning stuff. She was like getting food together and all this stuff. And I was like, you can't imagine watching a movie. And she was like, y'all are acting like shit is normal right now she's like shit's not normal we still need to prepare we still need to figure this out and all of us were kind of like shamed into like oh fuck she's right like we wanted a little bit of normal just for a couple hours and 
but then all of us, like we turned off the TV and then I started helping Christina. They started cleaning and doing all this stuff. And, and I kind of understood where, what she meant after a while that it's just like, yeah, we shouldn't act like everything's back to normal. Like we all just went through some crazy shit and we're still going through it. I mean, last week everyone was still dealing with boiling water not having water, not having electricity, you know, all that stuff. So like, yeah, it was kind of that mentality that I'm just like, man, I, I would really love to listen to an album today, but I feel like that's not allowing myself that'd be a distraction like i was saying so it's like i have to deal with the present and like be in it not trying to escape it you know so that was so it fell to the wayside i honestly felt the exact same way you know like i felt yeah when, when the when the power shut off and all that i you know stored all the water in the bathtub started boiling stuff and started you know preserving like rationing food you know, just yep. in case. And uh, when I finally got power back and I had water, I I've been I was playing this video game for a long time, trying to like hundred percent it. And <laughs> like I just like I I I suddenly felt like like it it really wasn't important anymore, or that right. just like if I played it, it would just be a distraction from this thing that I'm not that I'm trying not to think about. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt frivolous. It felt like frivolous. It felt, I don't know. Like, you know, it was just me in the house. It was just me and Winston, but it felt like, uh, what's the word? It just felt like not right. It just felt like if I did it, it would be insulting, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like, there are people still struggling and I'm sitting here playing fucking Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. And I, and I felt that exact same way. Uh, when Amazon opened its warehouse back up and I was supposed to go over and just like carry boxes for them and deliver things for them while my friends didn't have any food or water. And it just, it it was just weird. Yeah. It's weird. Like, uh, almost like a survivor's guilt in a weird way. Like I, I experienced that whenever we came back to the apartment and we heard like how our neighbors were still struggling and we just had an out to be able to go to my sister's place. Yeah, for sure. But they didn't, they didn't for have sure. this out. So we come back and realize like, Oh man, you, you guys are still having sleepless nights and, and high stress and like panicking at, at points. And we were just like, wow, we've been so lucky to have a place to go. And it's just like, wow, we felt kind of bad that, you know, yeah. we felt like we had abandoned our neighbors a little bit and it, it didn't feel good to be like, well, I've had a cold or, a, you know, a hot shower and cold fucking ice water for the last <laughs> week. You know, I felt, I felt bad about it. Yeah. I haven't really been able to play video games. Tonight's going to be the first night. Like I'm literally taking today for myself, you know? So like I came back to the apartment to be, to do this. Like I've been so looking forward to fucking talking to you again and Aww. so looking forward to being back at my apartment and just normal feeling normal life again. And so today was like for me and Christina is so awesome that she's like, Hey, I'll stay here. I'll watch the dog go home, like play video games, fucking get high, hang out with your buds. (laughs) And like, I'm not going to feel bad about it. God damn it. (laughs) Cause even with all that, like we need to remember why we're living, you know, we got to start living again, you know, like life is what you make it dude. And it's really easy to fucking curl up in a ball and just fucking be sad. It's way easier to be sad than it is to be happy. I've held on to that belief my whole life. 
That's true. <laughs> and you have you really have to work at happiness. You have to try to be happy. Like the world doesn't care if you're happy. Yeah. And it's way easier to gravitate towards sad people because misery loves company, right? So like other people want others to be sad because they're sad. I want to feel like I'm not alone in this. Um, you really do have to try and work to be happy and content. And that's part of what moving to California is, you know, it's, it's like, we're trying to find our happiness and f- see where, where that takes us. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was really fun to listen to this album for the, for this episode and like, yeah, just been super excited to talk about it and, uh, super excited to hear what you thought about it. <laughs> and I think, uh, if we need to do a quick intro, man, I think it's, it's, uh, you should take the reins on that one and we can, we can get into this shit. Well, I, <laughs> um, we're, we're, we're nearly half an hour in. I'm wondering if this first half is like, um, sh- should be a mini episode or something <laughs> where we just talk I, about events and then we have, <laughs> I think this first half is a great check-in on what we have gone through, what we're dealing with, you know, people who don't live in Texas, it's a little bit of an insight. I think it's good, man. Uh, people know that we were behind in, for a week because of everything that happened. So yeah. I think it's cool that we're talking about it, uh, you know, up front. It's we're dealing with it. We got to fucking talk about it. And then, hey, half an hour in, it's like our first episode. We're finally getting into the fucking album. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what? I would love to uh, do the intro for the show. Just, uh, just do it. I mean, I kind of want to wait for the thirty-minute mark, uh, but I guess I'll do it now. Should we just stall? Uh, hey, buds! Welcome back to earbuds the podcast a show where uh two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time (laughs) (laughs) sorry that was it i totally stole that from ear biscuits another podcast ear biscuits ooh, (laughs) a little too similar Uh, we can't be stealing their intros if our fucking names are that close (laughs) this this is where two very good friends talk about very good albums for a very good amount of time uh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> we are the odd couple of podcasts. A lot of people give us that title. Uh, adversely, a lot of other people on the other side of the line call us the pod couple of oddcasts. Yeah, it's been a debate. It's It's been going back and forth. It's something of a war. Uh, and we've just been the arms dealers, just kind of getting both sides to fight each other. Yeah, either way, you know. we win, man. Either way, we win, baby. We get that clout. Uh, I am Brett Danger the Hanrahan. I've taken it upon myself to uh, put the into my name. Into before your last name, which is the first I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Brett I'm hoping it, the Hanrahan. It, the Hanrahan. I'm hoping it catches on. Uh, and with me, as always, is Lucas. The fuzzy beast intergovs. Inter intercovs. <laughs> I was thinking about rearranging some letters on your name as well, just kind of switching it up. <laughs> well, uh, I liked it. What up, YouTube? <laughs> it's Lucas, the the danger fuzzy man, intergovs. Um, I was I was hoping that you introduced me as Lucas Dwayne the Rock Johnson intercovs, but. You know, there's you always next episode. It. Yeah, that's you got to earn that one. I, you know, I still haven't seen you on the b-ball court. Um, and that I doesn't think, doesn't have anything to do with the rock, but no, 
No, but uh, they do call basketball the rock sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and pass me you, the rock. You told me you played it every single day in college. Like every single day you'd go play some b-ball. Yep. I've never seen your moves. College and prison. That's when those are my <laughs> peak basketball <laughs> years. Uh, dude, I mean, I played for, I mean, that's how I lost 100 pounds the first fucking time. So I'm having to do it again because I'm an asshole. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, I played basketball like three, four hours a day. Um, pretty much almost every day of the week lost a hundred pounds doing it, but, um, never got any better. <laughs> I was, I was really good at passing and I'm really good at defense. Ooh. Okay. You're, you're like, you're on the support. You're like a support. Yeah. I'm a facilitator. Yeah. I'm a facilitator. Like I, if you give me the ball, I'm good. I'm chucking it because I can shoot relatively okay, but I can't like, don't expect me to drive into the lane. I played against my friend who is like six foot two and he, and he always guarded me for some reason. <laughs> Cause it was, it's such a satisfying feeling to block a shot. He blocked me so many times that I stopped shooting the ball and I just gave it <laughs> to my buddy who, you know, he, ha- he happens to be black, but just that's besides the fact he's fucking great at basketball. So he was always on my team and this dude could like float. Like he was one of those dudes that like he would jump up and then you try and block it and you'd be on the ground and he'd still be up and he'd yeah. get like a second jump he like got, in midair. He air. a lot of hang time. He, it, was, it was crazy. And so I loved him on my team because I would pass it to him. He'd make it and we'd win. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're well, never, to, I don't not, think you're ever going to see my moves, buddy. That's literally unacceptable. Maybe we can play some Skype basketball. <laughs> uh, but I'll have you, you just know watch that me play. I was voted a valuable player in the YMCA basketball league that I was in. And just yes, valuable every, player, not most valuable player. Well, every player got the award. You were a VP. We were all VPs. We were all valuable players to the I team. I love that. You were a valuable player. <laughs> That's a, everyone's a winner. Uh, but right now, I want to just sink a three pointer talking about this album man dude because i'm just I'm alley-oop this. i'll do a I'll, fucking I'll alley-oop it to you to introduce the album Ooh, baby so today buds we're going to be talking about an album that is was made by a super group um a punk super group to be exact and it's members of the band called the bronx members of a little band called social distortion of a <laughs> unknown band called suicide machines and another obscure no-name band called the Distillers. Is it and the Suicide Machines or Suicidal Tendencies? Is it Suicidal Tendencies? No, it's it's Suicidal Tendencies. I'm sorry, an even more yeah. fucking unknown band. And uh, yeah, so people from the Bronx, people from Distillers, Suicidal Tendencies, Social Distortion, Mariachi El Bronx, which is the Bronx's mariachi side project, which is fucking phenomenal. If you all haven't heard it before, it's some of the best mariachi music. Um, yeah, this is a, a band called the drips. The album is called drips. They recorded it in 2006. It came out. The Bronx had only recorded two albums prior to this. And to think that two albums after being a band, you're in a super group already. It's kind of like a <laughs> fuck you from me because I'm just like, how did like they dude, the Bronx played for six months before they got signed. Like these guys were just like really? people knew immediately once they hit the scene 
they got signed, they got labels, they got tours, and now they're in a super group less than three years after their first album came out. That's well, you know what you know what it was is that they started their own record label, right? Was it right off the bat they started their own label, or did they get I think signed their first to something? Album was was on their record label. Oh well, then that's cheating. If you sign yourself to your own label, yeah, that's what I was about after to say. six months. Okay, well then that's that's a little different because I was just like, who the like? First of all, fuck these guys for being so good because the Bronx are one of my favorite punk bands of all time, and I didn't discover them until 2008 or something. And then they, yeah, and then I, I when I looked into their story, I was like, oh, you guys played for six months in Huntington Beach in L.A., and then you got signed, and then you've been touring, and I'm just like. Who does that happen? That doesn't happen for anyone, but it makes sense. And eh? we made our own fucking label. Like why rely on anyone else? God damn it. I mean, it's a great like, idea. Making your own label in six months is also a pretty, uh, crazy thing to do and releasing yeah. an album and on your label in six months. Uh, and just like, I don't know. These guys kind of made themselves a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they were, they just hit the ground running, man. They, their their first album is like classic to me, and I didn't know what the drips were, who the drips were when I first heard this album last year, and then I looked into it because I was like, I recognize this fucking vocal. Like, really, this sounds like a Bronx record. I don't know if you've ever listened to the Bronx. Only a couple tracks. No, no full records. Okay, well, they're fantastic, like street skate punk that mixes a really cool mix of like hardcore punk pop punk and like skate punk and it's just so well done it's so catchy matt's vocals are fucking awesome i love the way he sings and when i heard this i was just like dude this has to be the dude from the bronx this has to be the bronx just with a different name because it sounds like a bronx (laughs) record and then when i looked it up i was like this is a fucking like holy shit like people from the distillers and social distortion and stuff like that's fucking awesome yeah and it's it's interesting that this is a super group because listening to this album i'm sure you had no idea it was a super group because super groups don't usually sound like this you know yeah this yeah this is a 26 it, minute long record it, it, and it being like no particular instrument shines above another no. you know it's it doesn't sound like they got like certain members from certain groups to contribute it just sounds like one a, a band it just sounds like a band that they just started and this is like a new album they have, you know? Yeah. I mean, these are like three chord punk songs written by a super group. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's just kind of beautiful to me that a punk super group sounds nothing like a super group. <laughs> and I kind of love that. I kind of love it too. It's like, they just like, you can hear it at certain points in the record, even like at the end of the record, you can hear where they're just kind of, they're having a lot of fucking fun. And like I, the ending of the record is then is like right when the song ends, someone goes yeah, and then the drums are just like, ah, ah, and he's just like, and it's just like yeah. you can tell they're just like they're having fun in the studio, man. And like none of these songs have, if you want to say like, none of them are special, if you want to put it in that way. Like it's not like. <laughs> It's not like one song really stands out from the others where they're like, whoa, like they spent a lot of time writing this one. It's it feels yeah. like a bunch of jams that are just top notch punk, you know, a certain genre of punk music that w- it's, it sounds like it was written in a weekend. And it, <laughs> uh, I yeah, fucking it love it. Does. 
Yeah. <laughs> so clearly, I loved this album. So how did you did you just how did you stumble upon these guys? I think it was another Spotify recommendation based off of another punk album. I think I was uh, at the time I was dipping back into Bigwig, which I don't think you. I know I've told you about them, but I don't know if you were ever into them. Uh, it, their name sounds familiar, but I I don't think I've heard any of their stuff. They they remind me the Bronx reminds me a lot of Bigwig in this in the sense of like it's they can have a really pissed off aggressive song like hardcore punk screaming the whole time. And then the very next song is like a pop punk, super catchy, like, hmm. like kind of almost love song, but then they'll mix the two also like in one song, they'll go back and forth. And I love that juxtaposition of having like a really hardcore punk song, but with like happy lyrics and then vice versa, have like a really happy pop punk song, but like dark <laughs> lyrics. And right. Big Wig does that really well. The Bronx does that really well. So I think I was dipping into Big Wig because I know that there was a moment last year where I was like, I listened to all three of their albums in the course of like a few days and forgot how much I love them. And then this came up as like a recommended and I never heard of it. So I was like, oh, the drips. I love the album cover. It's like, uh, <laughs> like a, it looks like a dude in an island, like in, you know, Dominican Republic or something like holding a fucking massive lobster. But there's and also, also an ice like, cream cone. yeah, and also like weird ice, like a sticker ice cream cone. It's, it's great. It's, it's a great album cover. I think it gives off like beach vibes, right? Which is kind of yeah. this this album kind of gives me like beach punk vibes for some reason, and it might just be that it's kind of hardcore, but the guitars aren't as uh, uh, distorted as I think right. they would usually be in, in this kind of hardcore music. Uh, it's not super minor, right? Like there's a lot of major yeah. stuff going yeah, there's on. There's a lot of major songs. Yeah. Uh, and they actually reminded me of one of my favorite uh, punk bands called Cloak Dagger. Uh, I've never heard but of But those guys are on the opposite side of America. So I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. That was one thing I liked a lot about the Bronx. And part of the reason, like you said, why I love this album too is the Bronx feels like California punk music, like yeah. punks that go to the beach every weekend, but still wear their <laughs> Dickies and Converse <laughs> to the still beach. Wear their jean jackets and yeah, they they have no shirt on, but they still have that that denim vest with the fucking buttons all over it. <laughs> weird tan, weird tan, but yeah, it is very pe- beach punk. That's that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, and uh, uh. Yeah, it was it was a very I think a very refreshing listen. Uh last episode we talked about Funeral Mariachi by Sun City Girls and which is you know, weird episode, to say the least. It was very odd and the album before that was Pet Sounds. Uh so which was shitty me. to say the least. <laughs> hey, easy, easy. I'm digging that grave, buddy. Michael's I can still see uh on our chat there's a it's just as Michael is typing and he's been doing that ever since the episode came out. Uh, so I'm very worried to, uh, see how that turns out. Uh, but I, this is a very, for me at least, it's kind of a return to basics because this is what I was like really into kind of in, in high school when I kind of started, I started off in the classic rock stuff. And as I got my own feet, 
as I figured out my own way, I got into, you know, more punk stuff. Uh, and so it just it seems like this album is like back, back home to me, you know, like it's yeah. just stuff I'm very familiar with. Uh, Cause it sounds kind of old school, right? Yeah, it sounds, it sounds kind of old school, which it, you know, kind of is uh, by now being yeah, uh, pretty, pretty crazy. It came out in 2006, 15, 15 years old by now. Yeah, but it sounds like 90s punk. Like, it sounds like mid-90s skate punk. A bit, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's also, you know, it's not the most, it's not very complex. You know, it's it's not going to take you on a mind-melding ride or anything, but it's nice to just, like, listen back to an album and just, just kind of hang out with it and just get in those vibes and not have to, you know think too much about it because it's it this has been a very uh uh thought heavy year oh, <laughs> for yeah. me yeah for so sure. it's nice to just kind of turn myself off and just like enjoy some music it's fun right yeah I, I like i can imagine i just like see the the parties like by an empty swimming pool and skaters just like you know riding up and Fuck down yeah. it and just like being mosh pits and stuff and Fuck I yeah. want to be there. Like I want to be there so bad. <laughs> yeah, man. That's that's kind of like I'm gonna be listening to a lot of this when we move to San Diego. Like, ah, uh, it's gonna be so fucking awesome. <laughs> like, it is very, uh, it is very like fun punk music. It's party punk for people that I, like punk, right? You can't put this on at a party if it's if people are expecting to hear fucking uh, Black Eyed Peas. Yeah, like it, it's. It's punk, but I'm I'm imagining some songs on the album now that like you could still you can dance to, you know. Totally. <laughs> they're be they're, you can bop and scat all over this fucking record if you want you to. Can, you can mosh or you can dance to it, and that's Dude, that's a some, beautiful thing. Sometimes some songs you can skank to. You get to you can skank to it. You get to skank to fucking what's that song? Uh, oh, where did I put it? Oh, fucking uh, sixteen sixteen six. Like that has a fucking cool ass like reggae ish ska guitars to it. Uh, so does uh, I know there's one other song on here that kind of like has a bit of like a ska type verses going on where it's like it's still distorted but it's very dancey, man. Yeah, I think what's cool about this record too is like it sounds like old school punk to me, like the early days of uh, like when skate punk started coming up. Right. So like the early days of like rancid and no effects and even like green day. Yeah. Right. Like, cause there's catchiness in there too. Like, a, or like early green day and the same right. types of riffs, fucking three chord riffs four four timing. They're not trying to fucking confuse you. They're not trying to like show off any sort of like musical expertise. It's just like balls to the wall, fun punk music that like, but because of Matt's vocals, the singer and like his screaming singing thing that he does that he just like sings at the top of his fucking range, which I love also like they sound modern. Like it brings it to like the modern age of punk music, but it's so like raw and distorted that it sounds like nineties, like early and mid nineties stuff. I mean, I would love, I would love for them to release a drips too. Right, uh, like in yeah. 2021, I wonder what that would sound like. I bet it would be awesome. Like, I bet they would write 12 more songs that sound exactly like all these. 
<laughs> like, and I mean, they, uh, that's what I mean. Like this sounds like a Bronx record, every Bronx record, except the newest one, the new one was a little different, but everyone has sounded the same. And I love all of them. Like sounding the same and putting in the best way possible. Like it's not repetitive. It's not, it doesn't get old. I think that's what it is. Right. is their, sh- their shit doesn't get old to me. And this is just more of the same. And I love, and I really, really dug it. Uh, well, can I, can I take this moment to, uh, confess something to you, Lucas? Oh boy. Yeah. This is going to be, this is going to be a tough one to hear. You didn't like this record. I like this record. I do not like the singer's voice. (laughs) (laughs) I chimed that perfectly so you would choke on your drink. Uh, I love love the emotion that he gives off, right? But just something about his voice, it just, it's it's kind of, it's not grating, but it's, it kind of wears on me, right? And even even at the end of this 26 minute long album, which is very short, I kind of find myself getting a little tired of it. Oh boy. Yeah. And right. it like it I feel the I feel kind of the same way about the Bronx but like from what tracks I've listened to. Well, yeah. But, you know, cuz it's the same thing and everything. Yeah. Uh but I still I still enjoy this album. You know, it wasn't like it didn't it wasn't so bad that I just like scoffed at every uh song. Or anything, but it was it was a bit of a like a ah. <laughs> wow. Well, do you think it has anything to do with like that his vocals are distorted? Uh, I think it just might have to do. I don't it, I don't know. Whenever I hear his vocals, like my throat kind of tenses up. <laughs> you know, it sounds like he's blowing out his shit, dude. Yeah, and yeah. and that. Like that always kind of gets me. It irks me. Maybe it's just because I like singing, you know, and I've made some songs where I sing uh, and I've done me. I'm in burn band. So I scream a lot and like, I just like understand the feeling too well. And I'm sure this guy has technique. Like I'm sure he's not actually damaging his vocal cords, but that's what it sounds like. Yeah. And I've like, seen, I've seen him live and you can tell he's not, he's not straining. Yeah. At all, yeah, and he calls uh, you. He calls everyone motherfuckers in between every song. <laughs> Come on, you motherfuckers! I want to see you motherfuckers dance. I want to see you motherfuckers moshing. And I was just like, God damn! He's just like that's the only word he uses live. <laughs> motherfuckers. You gotta have a. You gotta have a good word to stick to, man. <laughs> gotta fall back on something, I guess. <laughs> but that that is that's uh, that's that's a little disappointing, man. Because it sucks. He is my one of my vocal. And I know idols is like a is probably not the word I'm looking for, but he is one of my inspirations for the vocals that I used in Mortalis. Yeah. Can you I mean, can you I hear can, it now? I can I can hear that for sure. Yeah. I like yours a lot better, if I'm being honest. Well, <laughs> thank you. I think I think I do sing quote unquote more than he does, right? Because his like Matt's whole thing is just like he's at the top of his range and he's he's not always singing notes you know because he is kind of screaming he's just kind of doing at the top of his register at the top of his level but then he'll sing during the choruses right you want to give you everything you want i think there was definitely definitely like a a good blend of kind of scream to like 
to a melody, I guess, just like mm. sing singing. Uh, and that's what, like, I never in the album did I have to like stop because if the entire album was just like I'd probably you have to like stop and like take made. a break and yeah and yeah I think no the, I can get that I think uh, unconsciously I might have my best my uh, choice nugs might be the ones where he like sings the most <laughs> you know yeah I, I mean I think mine are too um, yeah dude I there's something about his voice that I I fucking love and I think it's the combination of his the way that he sings and the lyrics that he writes. Um, cause, and I totally get, I totally understand. Like, it's like not everyone can listen to against me. Right. But <laughs> I love Laura Jane's vocals always have. And, but she has some fucking guttural rough vocals. I put it on one time around my sister. She could not fucking handle it for more than a song. Really? I was like, wow. Yeah. I was like, I love her voice. And my sister's like, dude, I can't fucking take this. And I'm, so I get it. Um, but yeah, well, he was a big inspiration for me on my vocals. Uh, speaking of lyrics, I, it, like, I could not find any lyrics for any of these songs anywhere on the internet, man. Except for like, 16, 16, six. There are no yeah, except lyrics for that, anywhere. For, I, I assume maybe cause that was like, I think that's the only music video they have. Uh, is for okay. 1666 and maybe that's why it has some lyrics or something it was the single uh and i like i tried to listen to the lyrics but i'm i'm already really bad at like listening to lyrics specifically in songs and like with the fuzziness and the distortion like didn't help and uh but i was i, I was just like wondering how the lyrics stacked on this album because i'm sure you you were able to catch on to him much better than I was. Yeah, no, the that's another part of his his inspiration to on me is uh, or his influence on me is are his lyrics because I have always struggled with like keeping a theme in a song because a lot right. of times I just like cool lines. I like interesting <laughs> combinations of words. You know, like when I think of a of a line and it has a, a combination like the words that go in a certain order that to me I've never heard in that order before. And it sounds cool. I'm just like, I don't even care right. if this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about in the line before it, this is a cool fucking line. And I've been shamed in the past of like not sticking to theme that like, what is this song about? You, who and shamed you? I mean, maybe shame is I'm, I'm so goddamn dramatic. Maybe. And I'm learning that the more that we record this podcast, I'm like, dude, everything is amazing. Everything is fucking like it's, I need to, tone it, tone it down a little bit, but I have been asked a lot, like in the beginning of Mortalis, I remember being asked, what is this song about? What are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't know. And I just like, I thought it was cool. I, I enjoy singing it. Like I thought that line was cool, you know? And, and there was several times where I was like, all right, I need to stick to theme. So like the house you built, I was like, let me stick to a theme here. Like overcome. Let me stick to a theme here. But a lot of times it was just like, I just like cool lines. And that's what Matt does in the Bronx was he just writes cool fucking lines, just cool shit. And he'll talk about being on a beach, like riding a beach cruiser bike in the city. And then the next line he'll be talking about, you know, fucking doing drugs. It just, and it has nothing to do with each other. And he'll just come up with cool imagery about being in a low rider. And then the next thing will be something else. And so he, I think he did the same thing on this album where it's like, the lyrics are almost 
nonsensical at times. Like they don't follow any, he's not telling you a story. He's not trying to paint a picture. He's not fucking reading you a poem. He's like, just like, I thought of this line and then I thought of this line and then I thought of that line. And I think it all sounds kind of cool <laughs> together. And that was like my inspiration for our second album in Mortalis. I was like, I just want to write cool lines. That's all I'm, that's all I'm going to try and do. And that's so as to me, it was like every song was a one liner. And I think that's what, yeah. that's what Matt does. He writes one liners and I, I really love it. Like as a, as a fan of like comedy also comedies, you know, stand up comedy is so many one liners. Yeah. And that's a, the same concept in, in stand up comedy, right? It's like what combination of words can I come up with that no one else has come up with? That's funny. And to me, that's what the Bronx is a weird extension of that where it's just like, I'm going to write lyrics that no one else has written, but also don't, I'm not trying to be a storyteller. I'm literally just trying to write cool lines right. that make, that make me feel badass. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what this album does to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I feel like you shouldn't, you know, this life's too short. You shouldn't feel constrained to, to do something like that. I think you should, you know, you should try it out you know, and see, see if it works or not and see if you enjoy it or not. But if this guy knows his strengths, you know, and is just given these cool lines, uh, you know, why, why stick to a theme, you know, if yeah. that's not what you want to do. Yeah. I think boxing, boxing myself in is like, it's a great writing exercise, but it, it doesn't make me feel creatively, uh, free. So right. I'm like, I want the freedom to write whatever I want to write. And so I took that freedom and, the songs that I wrote for our second album and I had so much fun. Like I literally wrote most of those songs while I was taking a shit. <laughs> no, I didn't, I don't know if I needed to hear that. Well, <laughs> I mean, that just tells you, it's just like in the moment when I think of a cool line, then it, I think of the next four lines because I feel inspired by it. And the second verse might have nothing to do with the first. And when you say, when you say second album, do you mean like look alive or uh death, death rattle Valley? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, your your lyrics have always uh, gone over my head as well. <laughs> yeah. But you know, there there <laughs> there's stuff like Solo Cyborg and Nazareth that kind of hold a theme. Stuck to theme a little bit there. Yeah. But yeah, man, my lyrics like I know don't make a lot of sense, and I kind of like that about it, and I like that about the Bronx, and I like that about this album. They're not trying to say anything, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it just kind of seems like they had fun with this record, man. Like I don't know how these guys met up, but it might have just been a a jam at someone's house, and they all just happened to be in the same place, and they just all freaking jammed out together. Yeah, you know, and they didn't think too much about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's like getting into, into choice nugs. One of my choice nugs was "I'm Gone." I love that song. It sounds like a bouncing souls song to me, like musically. And I love the bouncing souls. Hmm. And that's another band that is not for everyone because of the vocals. I think a lot of times his vocals are goofy as fuck, (laughs) but he's great. Yeah. I think he even struggles with like not being flat fucking 95% of the time, but (laughs) I can appreciate that. Also, I struggle with the same (laughs) problem, but which is another reason why I sang the way I sang in our band. Cause it was hard to get flat when you're fucking just not really singing many notes, but yeah, yeah, I'm gone. The guitar work is super fun. Like pop pop punk is probably not the word for it, but it's very catchy punk music. 
Like it sounds like a Tony Hawk Pro Skater song that you would have heard on like the first, it, the first it game. D- yes, yeah. extremely so. Yeah, yeah, love it. That's man. right on the money. And it's it's very simple guitar work. It's three chords, uh, lyrics that don't really mean anything, and they even have like the classic punky that ooh ah, ooh ah, like some woes and I some mean, kind of singing along. Even even not understand the lyrics or anything i found myself just like unconsciously singing along my third time through on this song in particular oh nice whoa whoa i'm gone yeah man it's so catchy right yeah and it's the first uh it's the first song on the record that has like at first i thought it was a bridge but i think it's actually just a third verse that is just like played palm (laughs) muted (laughs) because i don't think there's any bridges on this album (laughs) I hope so this isn't weird, your... but I'm going to take off my pants because I'm hot. I have shorts Ooh. on underneath. Ugh. Yeah. Whatever. You're, you're not going to see it anyway, but it's just fucking... Every time we get into these fucking episodes, I, I'm always cold when we start, and I'm always fucking sweating by the end of it. <laughs> you're, you got so much adrenaline talking about these songs, man. It's so fucking amped. I, I think like the fucking meth takes like 20 minutes to kick in, too. <laughs> I get those meth sweats. Yeah, I mean, we all get those, right? Like, yeah, dude. I usually get the, like, it, it, the weed takes about 20 minutes for me to kick into just because I have so much fat in my body and <laughs> the weed sweats is a big thing as well. Dude, speaking uh, of speaking of weed sweats, man, when I was playing fucking basketball three or four hours a day, my shirts would be brown by the time I was uh, done <laughs> because I was sweating out so much THC that was... That, Cause that shit clings to your fat, you know? So like my breath so would, would smell just... horrible and I would fucking be yeah. like, have brownish sweat. But the good thing was if you ran out of weed, you could just kind of bundle up the shirt and just kind of drip it in your it mouth. Out. Yeah. I would yeah. do it like, like eye drops, just wring it out into my eyes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the high only lasts about 10, 15 minutes, but I mean, it keeps you going. It's you know? worth it. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I, um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm gone. Uh, yeah. Well, let's let's get through our narnugs. Let's see if we share any before we before we talk more. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm gone is a clear like top two song on the record for me, and I love sixteen sixteen six. It's my other favorite. Man, it's so weird because uh, my first couple times going through those albums, those were my choice nugs, but then I shifted to something else. Oh, they've changed. I went to uh, M-I-L-K, Milk. Yep. And Fountains. Oh, right man. Right next to each other. Yeah, do you find... Yeah, they're they're right after the other. Do you find, like, when you find your choice nugs or when you, when you really like a song on an album, do you find that you like the next song a lot, too? Like, it's almost like you're at that... <laughs> you're like, ooh, that one's fucking awesome, and you hear another one, and you're already at that, like, I lo- I'm loving this shit, so the next one is also one of your favorites. Does that ever happen? I, I mean... I'm sure it does, man. I'm sure you, like you just like get off a song. You're like, oh man, that was so good. I'm so hyped for this next one. Like no matter what it sounds like, it it sounds better. Yeah, you know? I I have found that with my album reviews that anytime I have more than one choice nug, it's typically one right after the other. <laughs> but l- lately, uh, it happened with the last episode as well with Funeral Mariachi. Is that like? I had choice nugs and then I completely switched them up like on further listens. Yeah, I did. I, I changed one of my choice nugs while we were talking 
because I was like <laughs> listening to everything y'all were saying. I was listening to the record and I'm just like, holy shit. I think I don't like this one anymore. And I like this other one. Like, yeah, it's, um, but for me, I'm gone in 1666 where I think those were my choice nugs the first time I listened to it. And then the second time around, I love all these songs, but those two just stand out to me a lot. I think, um, milk is so milk is one of yours. That one was like, super catchy like it's super catchy it sounds it like, like say a, anything or something like in the beginning or saves the day <laughs> like the beginning of it is like a, a fucking emo song almost yeah maybe that's why i like it, it maybe and yeah. it has like a kind of soaring chorus you know yeah which, with with vocals that i would think you would hate because <laughs> he's like But I love that kind of stuff, man. I love vocals like that. Uh, Me too. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I, am I okay? It's, it's, uh, I mean, saying it's one of the shorter songs, like it's, it's, it doesn't even make two minutes. It's not the shortest song. Uh, but it just gets in, gets out. Uh, I, I, I was really thinking about triplets. Cause I think that might be like the most hardcore, like most punk song on the record. And yeah, it like, is. that's, I like, I really, I really like the vibe of it. Uh, but I think it was on milk and fountains that just, I really love the guitars. Yeah. Uh, the, the guitar work. I, I actually do like the vocals. <laughs> that lead, that lead guitar part's great, man. The yeah. It almost like so catchy. Like a, it's almost like a pup lead to me. Yeah, yeah. This sounds a lot like pup, for sure. Like the uh, drums too. And also fountains. Uh, have you ever listened to Husker Do? Man, I I tell people I have, but I don't. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> to, to look cool yeah. yeah they're one of those bands a uh, husker do like you hear it all the time and you're like i guess i'm supposed to know who these guys are so yeah they're one of my favorites dude yeah uh can you can you do me a favor and like look up celebrated summer by husker do real quick okay you're like listen to fountains uh, i'm listening to it right now and it's great yeah i mean i i love it 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 also kind of has a Oh yeah, what? Da, da, oh. yeah, it's great, man. Kind yeah, of like it's... a gang vocal thing happening, and you could you could just see it happening like in a mosh pit, and he's like in the pit, and like everyone's singing along, and I just love that, man. It's so catchy. It's like how, like how do you play what can come off as like a fucking some forty one pop punk song and still sound like <laughs> aggressive? Like it's a, but yeah. it's still fun and it's still catchy and yeah, man, fountains, fountain is a great song and like triplets and fountain to me. I was just like, how, like, this sounds like something that some 41 or good Charlotte would write, but they can never write it this well and they can never sound this cool doing it. Like it sounds like a pop punk band's heaviest song on the record. And they're like, this is our hardcore song, but it's way better than they could ever do it. Like fountain is so catchy. It's, they just have this kind of swagger about them as well, man. They have this kind of charisma, I guess that, that makes it a lot cooler. 
than like you know blink 182 or good charlotte or whatever like whoever else is writing this kind of music yeah uh so do you have a celebrated summer up yeah i'm listening to it right now yeah wow that sounds Uh, old man yeah i i think it was 85 85 85 yeah that tells you why it's kind of an influence to these other bands i can definitely hear i can hear uh milk on this song uh and so the it, i i honestly i honestly thought fountains might be like a tribute to husker do like kind of a tribute mm. to this song in particular just because like the intros are so similar and like i don't know i feel like yeah. they, like these guys would be influenced by husker do i mean you think like uh, Social Distortion was pl- probably playing with them when when Husker Du was coming out. Social Distortion's been around for a long time. Have they been out since the 80s, though? Oh, I I mean, I could be so wrong, but I think that they came out in the early 80s. Let me see. Because I feel like Suicidal Tendencies was before uh, Social Distortion. And that's the, the drummer. Social She's Distortion's the first... Their first... Yeah, the drummer is from social distortion right yeah yeah and the f- suicidal tendencies i believe it, okay it, the wikipedia is to be trusted well their first album was 1982 well yeah I, but, so i guess they could have been been around yeah but they didn't come out with uh story of my life and ring of fire and ball and chain that that album came out in 1990 so it, i think it took them a while to fucking get their get their footing a little bit but I can hear it. I can definitely hear the influence on fountains. Yeah, I could. I mean, <coughs> I bet they could be be could just could have been tight. Just could have been influencing each other and all that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I'm sure that there's 80s and early 90s punk bands that the Bronx are emulating that uh, I've never heard of. Mm. But yeah, fount- like I'm listening to Fountains right now. It is just super catchy. And it's funny because I feel like Milk and Fountains have the most kind of whininess in his vocals than any of the other songs. <laughs> well, listening through, I thought it was like, it is a little whiny. It's, it's a lot of singing and he kind of uses the grit in the right places for me. Mm-hmm. It might just be that. Uh, it's not just all like... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Which is it's weird because that's like usually the stuff I really like. But I, something with this guy in particular, I don't know. Some kind of anomaly. The way I was raised, <laughs> where I was born, all all came together for me to just not really like this guy's voice. This ain't your mama's punk rock. <laughs> uh, and so I'm I'm listening to sixteen sixteen six now. Yeah, man that that was my. If not my first choice, Nug, definitely my second. Uh, I love it just as much as I'm gone. I think mm. sixteen six or sixteen sixteen six. I think could be. It's considered the slowest song on the record. Yeah, kind of the most. I don't know how to put it. Not like ballady, but it's it kind of has the most. It's mid tempo. It's mid tempo. It has a lot of kind of like open chords that kind of. Have time to breathe. Yeah, the uh, the drums I think are playing like less than a hundred beats per minute, 
<laughs> like <laughs> compared to all the other songs. And it, it is. I wouldn't call it a, a like a slow song or like a no, you know, by any means. But it is. It's probably on the record. It's probably the most, uh, just like the kind of song that lets you kind of breathe. I guess. Mm-hmm. It, it's, and I think it's also their longest on the record. Yeah, it's like uh, a little under four minutes. Yeah, by a bit. All the other songs yeah. are like two and a half or less. Um, <laughs> but I love the the guitar and the vocals. The ban ban it ban ban it ban ban it. Yeah, like it's very like ska ish, reggae ish, but it's distorted. Have you ever heard of Madcap? Madcap. Yeah. No, I haven't heard of them. They. This song reminds me so much of Madcap because Madcap's the only band that I've heard do this where they play reggae but it's distorted and they and the guy is like screaming. And <laughs> so they'll go back and forth between <laughs> reggae and and dub and punk. But everything's distorted. So mm-hmm. like this song sounds so much like a Madcap song to me. Like the the ska reggae-ish guitars and even the drums are doing a little like kind of ska-ish reggae-ish drums. Kind of do ka-ka. Yeah, the the vocals remind me a lot of Strike Anywhere, where he's kind of like, he has a little bit, Strike Anywhere is another punk band I I liked a lot back in the day, if you haven't heard them, Um, but they, they, the vocals are very similar where they're they're scratchy and scraggly, but he's singing, and he does a lot of the, watch you die, like kind of (laughs) like lets it trail off and gets kind of like gravelly, like Strike Anywhere dude does that a lot, so to me it's like, two fucking punk bands that I was super into in high school came together and wrote this song and I love it. And like the chorus is super catchy. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I tend to gravitate towards mid mid tempo stuff too. So this is like, it's so fucking juicy. I love like (laughs) where most of the other songs would have ended at like the two, two and a half minute mark. They go back to another verse and they do one more verse because they're like, this guitar riff's too fucking cool. Which <laughs> we gotta, we gotta ML I M I L K this yeah. for all it's worth. Yeah, and I think isn't this right before MLK? Oh, it's not, David. There's one song in between. Nah, that was a waste of time. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. That, this, uh, yeah, man, I, I really, really love this this whole song. I love all the riffs on this record, but this one in particular, like bringing that that reggae vibe into it, and just like letting themselves do a mid tempo thing. They almost have like guitar work in the background. That sounds almost like the cure or something Mm -hmm. like Duran Duran, like a post-punk guitar work, you know, it's kind of like has like some chorus on it. Right. And it's just like, like kind of just like plucking away at some (laughs) strings while the, the rhythm is playing fucking distorted reggae. It's fucking, yeah, it's great, man. It's, it's honestly something that I've kind of wanted to get into with, burn band is like a bit of a kind of a cleaner guitar you know yeah maybe maybe a little more of a i don't know like a little more of a chorusy thing but also like still maintaining the attitude and you know the punk and stuff but i've I've been too afraid to talk to will about it (laughs) (laughs) he's like so you want to sell out is what you're saying (laughs) <laughs> so basically you're not cool anymore yeah you're so you're the man <laughs> so oh the man is you huh <laughs> you're a fucking plebe is what he would say <laughs> oh so so now i'm gonna write songs about you oh okay all right oh uh, all right all right okay <laughs> i think y'all could pull off some cool like 
maybe once Will like isn't angry anymore, the older he gets, like he uh, he doesn't have that angsty, that youthful angst that he's carrying around right now. I think he, uh, <laughs> I could see y'all doing like gaslight uh, anthem type stuff. Man, we've we've always wanted to we've wanted to try to do more of a like ska punk thing, but none of us are geared for it honestly like i'm so bad at ska drums maybe more than any other type of like drumming in any other genre and like he's always had a weakness uh, for, like upstrokes you know oh wow you know it's so weird cuz like uh i was since i was in a ska band in high school to me i'm just like ska's the easiest shit to play but you don't <laughs> think like yeah, for some people, it's I mean, fucking, it doesn't come naturally, you know? And it didn't come naturally to me either. Like, we got better as we went, obviously. Ska, well, or we didn't. Ska and punk, oddly enough, seem to be kind of on the complete opposite sides of music. Because, like, with, with punk and how we did it, like, it was all it's on the down strokes for him. Yeah, it's on the downbeat. Only down strokes. Yeah. And I was just, you know, blast beats with no, you know, real technique or precision at all and but y'all are so good at it (laughs) i've been doing it for a while yeah it shows man like y'all y'all your sound you have down yeah for sure yeah and we you know we've been trying to change it up but we always got we can always go back to 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 that just like you know is dip into that well anytime you want yeah yeah so what makes (laughs) ska drums so hard is it just that how tight they have to be uh, it's like a, it's, a, it's tightness and I've always been bad at doing cross stick, which is something that, that comes up in ska a little bit. Cross stick. It, it's that kind of like, huh? you know, like <laughs> if I, if I showed you what it was, you would recognize it. Uh, it's like you basically put your drumstick like flat on the snare. Oh yeah. 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 You lift. Yeah, you lift up the bottom and you try to hit the rim. Rim shots, yeah. You know? No. <laughs> Not rim shots. Rim jobs. There we go. Okay. That's yeah, it. dude. I know how to do those. Uh, so I've always been bad with those. And just like there's a feeling in Ska that like I just haven't played it enough. And I'm just like, I don't know. There's just a feel that I like have not done enough to get used to. The drums are, are pretty important. I've always wanted to do it. The drums are pretty important in ska, and I feel like you do have to be really tight. Um, but what you're talking about is like when you're playing the hi-hat like this, and then you have your other hand holding the, the drumstick flat on the drum, and you're hitting the, the rim, right? Yeah. The, yeah, okay. Um, that's Those are hard. It's hard to get to sound right. That rhythm, too. You got to get it like... It's got to be in a certain place. It's got to be angled, uh, right? You got to be hitting it on a certain place of the stick against that rim to create that little space in between the drum and the rim or the stick. I mean, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's eventually like if I, if I do enough hits, if I do it long enough, like I'll get to that like key cross stick sound. But if you're playing something like ska, you don't really have time to figure it out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They use it you a lot. Of just like know where it is and like nail it. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta use that a lot in reggae too. Um, I like a lot of times when bands do that, a lot of like like Pepper and those types of like sublime uh, wannabe bands, they do a lot of that where they hit the kick drum at the same time that they're doing that rim. 
Oh yeah, that's a super reggae yeah. deal. I love yeah. that. Just that little like that anytime a drummer does that in a reggae song, I'm just I'm already like I'm in. You got me. <laughs> Dude, like I've I've known ever since I've known about reggae that that's like a common technique and I can do it. It's not technically hard. But like if you hear me do it, you'll know that it's like unnatural for me. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm like not I'm I, I'm completely outside of my comfort zone. You, you'll just like be able to hear it. Well, <laughs> one of my one of my best friends, Chris, is gonna be psyched to hear that you say Scott drumming's hard because he was great at it in high school. But um, it's literally it was it was either that or, or reggae. Like that's almost all that we listened to, or that or punk. Sorry, like Scott or punk. So that's all we mm. played. That's all we listened to. Um, yeah, man, why? <sighs> Why didn't y'all let me in your band? Dude, we've tried bringing back our ska band or our punk band like so many different ways. We, we've Really? Yeah. And and honestly, that is probably if I do anything musically moving forward, I'm going to be in a reggae in a reggae band. I think that's what I'm going to enjoy the most. And I would love to be in a reggae cover band and convert songs that aren't reggae into reggae. Oh, really? You know, I I wish there was kind of like an album we could listen to to kind of get you inspired, you know, uh, to kind of get you a basis for that. I'll try and think of one by the end of the episode. I, I'm sure yeah. it exists. Just just let that simmer. It's got to be out there somewhere. Um, I doubt it's any I good. I mean, I don't though. think anyone's done it before, but may, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, I feel like uh, we've I think we've broken down this album. You know, I like if if anyone's interested in listening to it by now, they're going to listen to it. So what would you rate this album? Knowing that maybe you don't like the vocals that much, but, you know, it was short, at least. <laughs> uh, you know, through our talk, I I'm giving it a higher rating, not much higher. But like I just listened to my favorite songs. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, but I'm going to give this thing a 6.5, which is like, it's hard to get this across, but it is not a bad rating. Like that uh, 6.5 means like I enjoyed the album, you know, it's, it's not going to be in my regular rotation or anything, but if there's ever, if I ever need to take like a breather, if I ever just need to like zone out and listen to something more aggressive, like this is probably the album I'll come back to. Nice. Yeah. That's a, I mean, I think uh, a 6.5 I can understand is like, I enjoyed it. There's two or three songs I enjoyed a lot and everything else I probably won't come back to, but I'm happy that you liked it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you dug it. I was not concerned at all and especially not concerned about his vocals. So I was like really interested to hear uh, that, that they're not your style, um, especially because I try and emulate him <laughs> a lot in our music. <laughs> Oh, well, this is a, this might be a bad time, but I've never liked your vocals. They've always been true. I've been waiting for people to tell me that for years. And I feel like no one has been honest with me about my goddamn vocals <laughs> since the start of Mortalis. That's well, that's why I stuck that coronavirus in you like back in February to try to ruin you, you know? Yeah. Uh, it worked. You kind of ruined the world. Yeah. You did, well, you, you did a little too good of a it job. It was worth it. You, yeah, just just to stop Mortalis from ever doing anything again, you're like, I'm going to stop the world. <laughs> no, man, I love your vocals. Like, I love your vocals. Uh, like, say more. They, I love your vocals. Thank you. 
Um, Sorry, he's got a soundboard over there. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I, I recorded it. I got a clean take. So I'm going to put it in every episode. Um, well, I love this album. Um, I loved it when I listened to it last year and listened to it again. It's, it's so fun. It's definitely one that I could put on like hanging out with friends. I think uh, it's catchy enough that people that don't that don't listen to punk but listen to rock could get into it. Um, and I think it's punk enough that that you know hardcore punk heads um, could could dig it too, especially considering who who's in it. You know, like right. I feel like that happens so often where you're just like, "What the fuck is this?" And he's like, "Oh, uh, <laughs> fucking Dave Grohl's in it." You're like, "Huh?" And all of a sudden, I like it now. So I feel like if you find out that people from you know the Distillers and Social Distortion and stuff like. I think that'll kind of sell you on it a little bit. So I'm going to give it right. I genuinely really love this record. Um, I was listening to it at one point, even on really bad headphones and I still enjoyed it. And so I'm going to give this an 8.5. Wow. Really liked it. That's, that's a lot higher than I thought you'd give it. Honestly, yeah, I th- it's because of how much I love the Bronx. And to be honest, it sounds like a Bronx record. And it, it probably has a lot to do with Matt's vocals, but I, they must've had a lot to do with the songwriting also. Cause it just, it all sounds like Bronx songs. So Bronx, I, uh, it's safe to assume Bronx records usually kind of get around the 8.5 to 9.5 range. I, for you, yes, I love all of their records except their latest one that came out, I think a year or two ago. And it was just because they kind of changed it up a little bit. So I only listened to it once and I need to go back. But give it another chance. I got to give it another chance. You know, I've I've even had to do it with Arx Bandits, where I'm just like, oh, this is too different, and then I go back and and it becomes a favorite. <laughs> but yeah, eight point five. Really love this album. And like, like I was saying too, if you like punk rock, check this out. If you like rock music in general, check this out. And if you like any of those bands that make up this band, check these guys yeah. out because there's probably going to be something you like really this. like. Yeah. This isn't. This is not like a good gateway album but if you're like already in the genre then you're gonna like it yeah i think it would be hard to to find a someone who likes punk rock to not like this record um unless you get a crust punk and they don't like anything (laughs) (laughs) they're just Uh, nihilists so lucas i want to bring this segment back dang it what type of food is this album i'm way more prepared for it this time Yes. Uh, and I almost said a lobster because of the cover. That's that, I, <laughs> I know. I think that's far too rich and Exactly. Up class. This album is cuz it's like it's gritty. It's probably not the best produced album. The songs are short, but there's no fat. It's balls to the wall the whole time. Like this to me is like your favorite fast food burger. Like mm. it's, you know, it's not the highest quality, but it tastes so fucking good. And it's, but you like it. Dang and it. And you don't, I don't get tired of it. It tastes good. Every time I fucking listen to it, it's it. Uh, this is like, to me, like what my favorite burger is, is the Monterey melt from Whataburger. Like this is a Monterey melt mm-hmm. double cheeseburger oh, God. with all the fixings and a fucking chocolate shake and a goddamn apple pie. And I eat Man, it. I, can, I eat all that in, in less time than this record. I wish I, I wish we could go to Sandy's uh, and just like get a burger and a in a 
in some ice cream and just listen to this album, man. I feel like we'd vibe out. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like go to Barton Springs, like get Sandy's, get a burger and some frozen custard and then go to Barton Springs and put on this record and fucking eat. Oh man. That sounds so awesome. That's such a great idea, dude. Uh, I'm going to cry. I wish we could do that. Well, Hey bud, we'll do it eventually in a month. I'm probably going to be totally vaccinated and I'm not moving for another month and a half after that. So we will have time to hang out. Uh, well, I will n- probably not be vaccinated. No, but the whole thing is if I am, you're a little safer, you know, and you know, it's everyone's comfort level. Obviously some people have been acting like nothing's been going on. So I know I'll be able to see some people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, this, this album is a Monterey melt from Whataburger. I love it. It's, it's not the best quality, but I, I love it every time. Making me hungry. Every I know. Day. Right. I also haven't had fast food in a year, which is probably why I've lost so much weight. <laughs> it helps. I was eating so bad. Well, dang it. Uh, Lucas, have you thought of an album that is like reggae, but it's a cover of a different album? Have you got anything in your head there? I had to do a lot of research. Um, I saw you. I saw you tip typing away yeah. over there like a mad. I scoured. It looked like that scene in Bruce Almighty when he's like typing all the yeah, responses yeah. to the prayers. The coffee. Yeah. Um, I lassoed the moon, and I found an album that you know it's a little it's a it's lesser known, but I think we might enjoy talking about it. It's an album by a band called Easy Star All Stars. And it's called Dub Side of the Moon. It is a dub reggae cover of Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. And I am, I cannot wait to hear what you say about it and what you think about it. Well, I've, uh, I've listened to it once already. Okay. Uh, I am right now I'm at a bit of a loss of how we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is our first time talking about an album, a cover album. Yeah. Which we kind of, uh, we had a little bit of a hesitation there, right? Um, yeah. We don't want to open I the think, doors too much into something like this. I, I think we creak it open a little. We see what's happening. I think even if it goes fantastically, we're not going to do this often. No, you know, I don't, and I don't think we should, um, but you know, all joking aside, this is one of my favorite records of all time <laughs> and I can't wait to talk about it. I have a lot of personal connection to this record. Um, and also it was recently the 20 year anniversary of its release. Really? Yeah. Uh, I think a month ago, uh, like that recently. And I commented on the post on Instagram and cause I'm kind of, um, I guess you could say friends with some of the people at that and the band. And, um, I commented saying, love this record. My, we're actually going to talk about it on my podcast soon. Can't wait to, um, you know, can't wait to break it down and can't wait to name drop and look cool and get some clap. Oh dude, it's going to be a two and a half hour up of just names. (laughs) And, uh, the CEO and the person that I'm probably closest with at, at the, in the band, the CEO of the record label commented and said, share that episode with us and we'll, or like send me the link when you guys record it and I'll share it. Oof. So, you know, Hey, right, you can, okay. So we got a little pressure. You can have your, your own opinion and don't feel pressured, to, but, but it's going to be maybe a, a widely listened to episode, which I'm excited about too. 
Well, I'm I'm excited to get into it, man. Yeah. I know it's not and for I've, everyone, but it's going to be great. We'll see what happens. I you know, I I did the Wikipedia on Easy All uh Easy Star All-Stars. Uh and they also did an OK Computer cover, which is fan which is something fucking test that I like I can't wait to listen to as well. That uh, album was what got me to finally listen to Radiohead. Really? That that OK Computer cover record is incredible. The the stars, the guest stars on there are I can't believe they got some of those people. But we next time we are talking about Dub Side of the Moon, baby. Burr, 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 burr. Dub Side of the Moon cover of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, which I hope you've heard of. Well, here's the thing. Do we know that Pink Floyd did it first? At this Do we point, know that Pink Floyd isn't the cover album. I can't find anything on the internet about it, so I, nobody knows. No one knows. So maybe we'll figure it out in the next episode. Yeah, and uh, and that'll be that'll be a fun one, man. Um, what did you think of this episode? What, what are you uh, What are you rating this one? You know what? This one. I'm gonna. Gosh, well, what what do you rank? You know, a patty melt. You know, like, what do you rank? Yeah. How do you rank perfection? <laughs> how do you grade, uh, uh, how do you grade flawlessness? I'm going to give the snowstorm section of the podcast a, a nine. Mm-hmm. I think we did very well about complaining about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to give the album section a seven. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give the outro section a 7.5. Ooh, you, you like so the, you like ending my, this. The, I like I liked ending it a lot better than really, yeah. <laughs> really enjoying ending this episode. <laughs> what 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 are your ratings, man? What do you what do you what do you? Uh, I think uh, yeah, the the talking about um, Snowvid twenty twenty one, I would give it uh, oh, God a solid nine. Um, it's something that I needed to get off my fucking chest, and there's still a lot to talk about there, a lot to unpack. Oh boy. Um, yeah, it, if we talk about that in the next episode, do not be surprised. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be around in our heads for a while. Uh, yeah, and I, I would take everything else, you know, intro and outro and mid-tro, I would say, that's solid eight, man. I had a lot of fun talking about this record, despite how many times you disappointed me, in your opinions. <laughs> and speaking of that, before we let everyone go, if we have disappointed you in any of our opinions... <laughs> leave us a comment on our Instagram at EBPcast. Leave us a comment on any of our fucking socials uh, at Jean-Luc Guitard, at Bet- Brett Hanrahan. Find us on Instagram. That's really the only place we're at. Leave us comments. And if you leave us a comment shitting on us or agreeing with us or roasting us just because you're our friend and you want to make fun of us, we will read your comment on an upcoming episode. Right. We want to share your thoughts with everyone else. Uh, we will also be having more guests coming up in the next few episodes. So, uh, getting a lot more interaction, man. Let's let's uh, let's get some of those comments, some of that hate rolling in. I want to feel the hate or or support. Nah. You know, I I I'd be fine with having some support. I think roasting is more <laughs> fun than compliments. Me. But whatever you want to leave us, leave us a comment, <laughs> leave us a share, leave us a subscribe. Um, and I think. I think this is good, Brett. I think this was good, Lucas. Uh, Till next time. See ya, buddies. See ya, buddies.